Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about a topic that I haven't discussed before, and that's ACT science. So, the most common comment that I often get is, you know, they don't really know what this section's about. And just by looking at it at first glance, it looks really intimidating. There's a bunch of charts, there's a lot of words in Latin, and it looks really intimidating. But if you actually cut away all that fluff, it's actually a really simple test. And today I'm going to break down what this ACT science section is about so that the people who are listening are more informed and they can decide if this is a test that they want to pursue going forward. So what is ACT science? It's actually not as difficult and it has nothing to do with science reasoning per se. It doesn't test on really in-depth topics covered in high school biology chemistry, or physics. I would argue that the topics covered are more in line with more middle school science, which could be really surprising to a lot of people because you guys are wondering why is middle school science covered when this test is going to help me get into college. But let me explain. Once I break it down, you're going to start to see that this test is not as, it's not what it seems. So what are these question types that they're testing you? Now, a lot of people may know this, but it is part, and the keyword being part, basic reading comprehension. Some people have told me, Diana, this test is a completely reading comprehension test. It's not completely, but there are a good number of questions where it's just simply testing you on, hey, did you find this word in the passage? And you, it's explicitly stated. It's a lot like ACT reading. And if you've listened to my other podcast about ACT reading, the questions are very explicit and the answers are pretty much explicit, like 90% of the time. So ACT science, there's a few questions sprinkled in there where they're just asking you basic reading comp questions. They have a science passage and yes, they have these intimidating terms and topics that you may not have ever learned or studied, but it doesn't matter. You just need to know what generally it's about and know where to find it in the passage. That's it. And it's really explicitly stated. You don't have to think uh, very logically at all. Uh, it's just explicitly stated. So there's, that's the first question type, basic reading comprehension questions. The next question is simply a one chart question. Those are like freebie points because they'll tell you where to look. They'll say figure one, figure two, figure three. They'll have some random numbers and maybe some categories. And you just got to know what the chart is saying. You don't have to do data analysis. You just have to find the information. It's basically, do you, can you understand what a chart is saying? Those are like freebie points and nobody should be missing these questions. Let me give you an example. If they ask you, what is the CHP of trial three? They'll basically have all these trials, like maybe trial one through 10. And you just got to find the one that they're asking for and just simply find it. So it sounds pretty easy so far, doesn't it? So, and you're probably like, Dana, are there more difficult? No, not really. So if you listen, continue to listen to this podcast, I'm going to break down more question types. 
There's another question type where they may ask you to look at two charts. So what that means is sometimes you might have to find information from one chart and then use that information and apply it to the second chart so you can find your answer. So I call those two chart questions. Again, you don't see a bunch of them, but there's a few times where you might have to look at two charts. So rather than fixating yourself on one chart, there's going to be a few of those where you may have to utilize information from one chart and then use that to find the answer. Those aren't that hard either. You just need to know how this test is formatted so that all that fluff is just simply fluff, okay? There is another question type, and they started to integrate these the last couple years. Um, I would say about the last two or three years. These are basic science knowledge questions. What do I mean by that? Remember how I told you earlier how this test is a lot like middle school science? Well, they're going to ask you basic science questions, usually one per passage, but that's not a hard and fast rule. But it'll ask you, hey, on a pH scale, you know, what is nine on the pH scale? Do you know the formula for photosynthesis? Just basic concepts that people should know. What is force? So basically what I'm trying to say is these questions are maybe like four total or so in the whole, pa- in the whole section. It's not going to be found in the passage. So it's not like a reading comprehension question. It's not a one chart or two chart question. These are just things you just need to know. But these concepts, as I've illustrated earlier, it's not that hard to understand. Sometimes there's these obscure ones. Maybe once I saw this one obscure thing about a chemical equation. But other than that, it's been pretty straightforward. And even if you didn't know that fancy chemical formula, I think you could have still figured it out just by using some basic deductions. Um, the last question type is just basic math questions. And with the emphasis on the word basic, there are times where you have to look at a chart and just do some simple math. And by simple math, I mean addition, subtraction, multiplication division. Sometimes there was one time there was a slope question, but slope is not that hard to understand. So they may have you look at a chart about spins, about quarks and spins. And they would say, oh, sometimes it'll be up and down and up. And if it means up, you're adding two thirds. And if it's going down, you're minusing one third. And all you're really doing is understanding that whenever it goes up, you would add two thirds. When it goes down, you would minus one third and so forth. That's what I mean by basic math questions. Sometimes they might ask you to convert from, you know, grams to kilograms. Sometimes they might ask you to understand how to do this multiplication problem, but it's not that hard. At first, it's going to seem daunting, but that's because you're just adjusting to this test. But once you start to see these patterns and start to practice, because that's the second half of the situation where you now you have a basic idea. Now you're starting to see that this test is not that hard. Now it's just getting the timing right and just going faster. So that's the second half. So when you, if you haven't even looked at a science section, the first thing I want you to remember is that the, everything is just fluff, okay? St- just break down these question types. You're going to start to feel that 
these questions aren't that bad, you might get these hypotheticals. Like, suppose this situation happened. How would that affect the experiment? Again, you don't need everything is in there, and it's just basic deduction questions. Very, it's not hard at all. For example, there was this one question about mice. I think it was about mice and how um, they had a pigment that would protect them from being uh, preyed upon. Um, And they had a situation where they're saying in the question type, oh, maybe this would, would the offspring inherit that? Well, logically, yeah, because if they, if they have that trait and they're surviving, they would then pass it on. That wasn't so hard, right? That's just basic logic. And there's not many of those. So that's, you don't, what I'm trying to say is you don't have to think very deeply when it comes to the science questions. So, which brings me to the question of how do you tackle the time? Now, probably within the first two or three sets, you're just going to adjust yourself, you know? And then I would recommend, um, you might want to consider buying this ACT watch. They sell it on Amazon. Some person created a watch where you can actually bring it to the test center. It doesn't make sounds. And it tells you exactly where you should be at a given time. So if you if you're fixated on a question, like on question number 18, you're spending like way too much time on that, it'll tell you, hey, you should actually be on problem 19 right now. So you just gotta move on. And sometimes it's not about just getting that one question right, because all questions are worth the same. So it's just not worth it to spend so much time on one question when there's all these other questions that you could answer and get right. So if timing continues to be an issue, check out that watch. That has helped a lot of students. I've had a lot of students struggle with pacing And this watch has really helped them. So again, you just go on Amazon, you type in uh, ACT watch. Uh, I think it costs about $40 to $50. And if you are continuously struggling with timing, this will definitely help pace pace you. Okay. So my conclusion is you don't have to be great in science and math to do well in this section. There's going to be an adjustment period where you just have to get used to the format of the test. And that may take four or five tries. So don't just give up on the first time when you look at it, you're like, okay, I can't even finish it. This looks really hard. You'll get a feeling. You'll, you'll know like, hey, I know that with more practice, I know I'm going to get there. You're, you, you will feel that by the, you know, by the second or third try, practice try not the real actual test. Um, The third thing that I want you to remember is to pace yourself, get that watch. That's really going to help. Are there some good books that you guys can buy? I think I checked out for the love of ACT science. I think that's great for a workbook where you want to try it out. I always like working with real tests. So if you can get access to the real test, that is the best situation. Uh, You're going to get actual questions and the latest, you'll get the latest test. There's that ACT book that you can buy on Amazon. I think it has about four tests. That's a great place to start. But I always try to work with real questions so that I just want to get close to the test as possible. So I know that the score I'm getting is actually going to be the score I'm going to get in the real test. I want to end with um, the SAT. So I'm kind of pivoting. 
I just wanted to share with you all, and maybe you've heard it from friends about the SAT curve. It's been harsh really lately. I've been noticing since last year, October 2018, that this curve has been very, very harsh. What do I mean by that? Well, around October 2018, I noticed that if you miss five problems or so, let's say let's say for reading and writing, you missed a total of five questions, which is actually really great, right? But it turns out missing five can be like a 710. I have never seen something like that. So I noticed that happening with October, November, December. Now, March 2019, that curve started to normalize. So if you missed five questions, it would actually go back to the 700s, low 700s. Um, So I don't think that should be an issue. I'm not completely certain why there was that wild curve in early 2018, but it's going back to normal. But what I but I have been noticing that as these 2019 tests have rolled out, you know, it's harder to get in the 700 range for reading and writing. As you know, it's combined. You, for example, in an old test, you would miss 10 questions for reading and maybe two questions grammar, that would be a 720. Like you could miss a total of 12 questions and that would have been a 720. Now that's a 680. You know, so basically if you want to get to that coveted 1500, whatever your goal might be, I know a lot of the students I work with are going for 1500. You really can't miss that much in reading and writing to get to that point. A lot of the students I work with, their math scores tend to be pretty high. It's the reading and writing that they struggle with. Um, And you really have to miss just a couple of questions to get to that 700 plus, 750 plus for reading and writing. And I noticed that a lot of the mistakes that these students make, their foundation is really great, but it's about just being really detailed on these words Sometimes it's the most trivial of words. You may think it's nothing, but it's actually so important. So being really detail-oriented really helps. I just wanted to make sure you guys knew about the trends going on with the curves. Again, I don't think it's going to be as insane as it was last year. But I have been noticing that you know, you have to miss less, way less, to get to that really 700 range for reading and writing. Um, Math, it's about the same too. Like, again, you have to miss a little bit. Just missing one or two can drop down to like 770. So, I mean, if, depending on what your goals are, consider ACT. I mean, I'm not saying everybody should go towards that, but I definitely feel like for reading, ACT reading is really, really easy compared to SAT reading. The barrier for ACT reading is the time, but with some tricks and pacing, it's, it's, it can be done, but you kind of have to be smart about the timing. Um, if timing is just going to be a huge barrier uh, for ACT, which I don't think so. I am a believer that ACT reading can be conquered. Yes, 35 minutes is not a lot of time, but it definitely can be overcome. I mean, when people come to me for ACT reading, 
it's not that the questions are hard. They always tell me, Diana, how do I beat the clock? And they beat it every single time. So consider the ACT, you know, know your strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, in, again, I'm a big believer in figuring out which test is right for you. I don't think it's necessary to take both tests. You know, I think it's personally, I think it's a little waste of a time to just waste of time to just, you know, just do the SAT and then switch over to ACT later. I always tell parents and friends, um, parents and students, figure out from the very beginning which test is right for you so you're not wasting money and energy and time. High school students are so busy, they don't have that time necessarily to, you know, spend six to eight months prepping for this test, you know. I believe test prep should be really straightforward. I don't think people should be spending a lot of time on it. I don't think it's necessary. I think if you know the right strategies, can do it in a very smart way. This test is it should not be something that takes a long time to prepare for. So, I just wanted to end on that note. I will be definitely podcasting more. Um I I know I've recorded several episodes a few months ago, but I'm definitely going to be broadcasting more episodes about various topics from academics even to college counseling. I know I a lot of students who prep with me for for these tests, they they want to meet with me for essay guidance. And so I wanted to share some of my insights about that and I'll definitely be doing some interviews in the near future, so watch out for that. So thank you for listening and hope to see you on the next episode.